Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of React Roundup. I am your host today, Paige Niedringhouse, and I am joined by our panelists, TJ Van Tol. Hey, everybody. And Jack Harrington. Hey there. And our special guest today is Victory Nwani. Hello, Paige. Welcome, Victory. We're really happy to have you here with us. And uh, if you'd like to introduce yourself to our audience and tell us a little bit about why you're famous, I think that would be a great place to start. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. Um, basically, I'm Victor Nwani. I'm based in Africa. I work remotely with an IoT company in Austin, Texas called Ambionic. And we build an IoT application for fall detection. So it's used primarily in the healthcare line. And aside that, I'm also a technical author on Smashing Magazine, Logrophet, Digital Ocean, and Hera. So I write for several organizations as a technical author. And I'm also interested in cloud engineering. So when I'm not working on the front-end side, I'm working as an architect in the Google Cloud and Azure. And yes, that's pretty much about me. Wow, that's that's wow. plenty, I think. <laughs> yeah. You've got a lot going on. Okay. <laughs> When I went freelance, I was still only a few years into my development career. My first contract, I was paid 60 bucks an hour. Due to feedback from my friends, I raised it to 120 bucks an hour on the next contract. And due to the podcasts I was involved in and the screencasts I had made in the past, I started getting calls from people I'd never even heard of who wanted me to do development work for them because I had done that kind of work or talked about or demonstrated that kind of work in the videos and podcasts that I was making. Within a year, I was able to more than double my freelancing rates, and I had more work than I could handle. If you're thinking about freelancing or have a profitable but not busy or fulfilling freelance practice, let me show you how to do it in my Dev Heroes Accelerator. Dev Heroes aren't just people who devs admire. They're also people who deliver for clients who know, like, and trust them. Let me help you double your income and fill your slowdowns. You can learn more at devheroesaccelerator.com. So I see that you have, like you said, you're an author for a lot of different awesome publications. But the one that we were interested in or that we came across most recently was integrating a dialogue flow agent into a React app. And I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about that. And I'll link it for anybody in the, the podcast who wants to check it out later on. Uh, yeah. So that was actually a two-part article. So it focused on dialogue flow. I needed to use Dialogflow for a project, so I had to learn about it. And during the process, I also wrote that article on Dialogflow. So what it does is it basically explains what Dialogflow is. That's the first part of the article. And the second one talks about integrating Dialogflow into a React application. So we use like the standalone Dialogflow agent into a React application. So it's a two-part article, and I'd be glad to explain both. Yeah, maybe you could start yes. by explaining just what Dialogflow is, because I'm, I'm definitely <laughs> unfamiliar. Okay, so Dialogflow is a service offered on the Google Cloud, and it's what it does basically is to, it makes building natural language processing applications much, much more easier. So rather than having to build the machine learning models, having to train everything on your own, what Dialogflow does is it gives you an opportunity to do this while leveraging the cloud. So you can basically build a natural language processing application straight up from your iPad. It already, it's all leverages the cloud for you. So I'm curious, did you come across this for like a work purpose or was this just, I'm, I'm curious what your use use case was for diving into this. So my, my use case was to build a food application 
So we wanted to build a chat assistant for a food application. So it's one of the things which Dialogflow does. It helps you build chat assistants. So where you have chatbots like um, Siri, although Siri is quite complex, as we all know, but what it does is it helps you build chat assistants, chatbots, applications that can classify text and things like that. So that was what I needed to use it for. It was to be used for the chat assistant for a food software, whereby instead of having a human respond to chats, the chatbot would do that on behalf of a human. That's very, very cool. So give me a little bit more about Dialogflow. Does it use like machine learning or some kind of artificial intelligence to drive it? Or how does it if you say, I, I guess I'm looking for a recipe or maybe I'm looking for a restaurant recommendation or something like that, how does it know what to respond with as, as a human might? Okay, so I'd just like to say a little bit of a disclaimer. One of the things <laughs> that Longflow does is it, it abstracts away the underlying complexity. So I cannot fully say I understand how it operates because it abstracts away that complexity from you. All it does is it gives you a service to use. But like you said, Dialogflow performs text classification, text extraction, intent classification, and speech recognition. So like you said, it, what it does in that scenario would be, it would be able to classify your text, knowing that page wants to buy something. It classifies your intent. You want to purchase something, and it responds back using a trained model. Very cool. So... Your article is actually a really nice, like end-to-end, full-stack system. I mean, it's you've got like the training or the agent definition of the Google Cloud stuff up front. Then you've got an Express server, you've got MobX, and you've got React up on top. Am I am I summarizing that correctly? Yeah. So those are actually two parts split apart. First off is the Dialogflow application, and the second part is the front-end application. So Dialogflow is quite standalone, although it's offered through the Google Cloud. So to use Dialogflow, you need to have a Google Cloud project because it's one of the offerings of the Google Cloud. But there there are other several ways you could use Dialogflow, basically. You could also use it through the Google Assistant. So you could deploy a uh, a Dialogflow application to the Google Assistant. We all know Siri. Siri is for iOS, while the Google Assistant is for Android devices. So you do not need to have like a front-end application to use Dialogflow. You could deploy it to the Google Assistant platform and use it via even a smartwatch. Oh, nice. So if you have like the smart speaker or an Android phone that's got the Assistant, you can actually integrate with that too. Exactly, yeah. Nice. Very cool. Yeah, no, it's a nice full stack system there. So if somebody wants to learn essentially what, go from front end to full stack, this is actually a really nice demo application to, to walk through. Yeah, exactly. And I wrote that in the second part of the article. Yeah. So I'm just curious, why did you choose MobX? I know that's like a controversial choice <laughs> in the React world. <laughs> Mobex is just quite like a, a state management uh, package for React. It's mm-hmm. quite simpler than Redux. Like that argument is kind of age long. <laughs> yes. <Mobex> kind of, <laughs> so Mobex brings in the object-oriented programming into state management, while Redux is more functional programming. That's about the best synopsis I think I've ever heard about those two. I can never hone it down to that level. Yeah. <laughs> I've never actually used MobX or Flux or any of the other ones. I've only used Redux, although I've been hearing pretty good things about the new Redux toolkit, which I think is kind of Redux 2.0, that it's abstracting away a lot of the boilerplate and the things that people didn't particularly like about Redux. But 
I mean, that's cool. MobX is definitely still a good a good option. And I think there's another one that Facebook came out with. And now I'm trying to think of the name of it. Yeah, I think that's the Context API. Am I correct? Context is... I mean, that's definitely been a game changer. But there was a new... A newer one, and now I can't think of the name of it. I'll have to look it up. That it seems like was maybe it was Recoil. Oh yeah, um, that was I think recent. Is, yeah, yeah. I think Recoil is quite new. Although I wrote the article a while back, so I don't think there was a context API when I wrote that article. I probably would have used the context API though. Well, context API yeah. has been undocumented for a long time, and then it it got formal. Finally, mm-hmm. I think I can remember yeah. like 16, I think it got formal and then then React Hooks came in and got Yeah, Hooks, really I think really revolutionized using the context APIs as yeah. a real solution. Yeah. So Nwani or Victory, what what kind of spurred you to learn about dialogue flow? Because this is a it's a very cool API, but with all these cloud providers, with Amazon, with Google, with Azure, even there's so much that's hidden in all of the services that they offer. So how did you, I guess, find this and decide this is what I wanted to test out and see see how it works? Basically, when I read, when I needed this service, Dialogflow was kind of the most popular um, service. Although there are other services apart from Dialogflow, like the Watson Assistant from IBM. What made me go for Dialogflow was the simplicity and how easy it was to use. So I didn't have to learn the basic things because I'm not like a machine learning expert. I'm more of a front-end engineer. So it wasn't so difficult for me to pick up. And that was what made me use Dialogflow, basically. Was the documentation for it pretty decent as well? Because that's always my thing, is I need to see working code examples, and then I can figure out how to put it into my own applications or my own code bases. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. You know, this is offered by Google. Everything from Google is, is quite comprehensive in terms of the documentation. And it's also important to note that I think Google bought Dialogflow. They're not the original creators. I'm trying to search up the name, but it was originally called AI or something. I can't remember the name now, but it was bought over by Google. Hmm. So I'm curious, and this is a little bit of a broader question, and I'm not sure a nice way to phrase this, but I'm, I'm curious if Dialog helps you build chatbots that are actually good. And I think what I'm the broader thing to me is like, I feel like chatbots are one of the more underutilized things in software development, because I feel like there's an absolute enormous amount of potential there. But every time I personally go to use one, I hate it. I, mm-hmm. I've yet to use one. And I'm seeing on the, the the call here page and Jack shaking their heads as well. Like it's, it's still a I avoid They're them at every, every, yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> but it's yeah. so frustrating because they should be good, right? Like this is 2021. Yes. We should like, we should have like the technology behind it. So I, I'm curious, Victory, like, have you had like positive experiences? Do you get like analytics from Dialogflow that tells you like how well this is performing? I'm, I'm just curious your thoughts on on that topic. Yeah, I, I would pretty much say yes. Dialogflow is quite good because like you mentioned, uh, monitoring. We have the Dialogflow console which you can use to monitor statistics about your chatbots. So Dialogflow is basically offered in two editions. We have the ES edition and the CX edition. The ES is for quite small use cases, like small startups, while the ES is for larger use cases that are being used by larger um, startups and companies. So but one of the things I really love about Dialogflow is the console itself. You can do basically a lot of things with the console. You can export a Dialogflow application. 
You can also import a Dialogflow application. So there are pretty much a lot of things you can do with Dialogflow. And it's quite difficult to answer when you said there are a lot of things that frustrate you about using chatbots because I don't really know those pain points which you have with using chatbot provided. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm more curious, like, how do you know, like, so, like, hypothetically, I'm building a food application, right? And I, I build a bunch of different chat conversations and dialogue flow. What would give me confidence that my users are actually using this thing and succeeding with it? Because I, I think a lot of people debating this, right? Like, like I said, I there are tons of potential applications for this. You want to know that you you aren't frustrating your users or your your customers that they're actually using this thing successfully. So I'm I'm just curious, like what sort of signals Dialogflow gives back that people are like successfully going through these things that you're creating. So Dialogflow at the basic level, it gives you some level of observability and monitoring for you to know that these are the parts of your application being used all through the console. So after deploying application, you can run tests yourself. Or you can give an interval to know, to see the statistics coming from your application. So, okay, walk me through this flow a little bit with this food app. So you're, you're trying to sell wine, essentially. Yep. What, how, does, how does the agent know what, what wines are available? Like, it, or is that part of this service? Can I say, like, give me a good Pinot or something like that? Like, how does it actually, like, walk me through the whole, like, data flow here, just at a high level? So, so at a high level, dialogue flow is broken down into entities. And like you mentioned, what, the first thing you would have to do would be to create intents. So your first intent would be, I want to buy wine. Right. The dialogue flow agent is going to be able to classify, uh, uh, do some extraction from that text to know that this individual wants to purchase a wine. And there's going to be a keyword there. This, that keyword falls under a context. So it knows that this is the name of the wine. Funny enough, I, the demo application within the article is on a wine application. So oh. if you put in the name of a wine, like for example, the Malot red wine, it has the ability to extract that name. So while training the chatbots, you provide in a very long list of names. Then whenever a user enters that name, it has the ability to extract the name. I know that this is the wine exactly the user wants to buy then it can respond back using a response that you have provided i see so as part of the message that you get about the intent like you get essentially a broken down thing that says here's an event it's a customer wants to buy a wine event and here's the type of wine that they want to buy and then you can go and respond to that exactly cool and they're, they're right. also quite sounded good there <laughs> i think we lost okay you. Yeah, okay i think I yeah, I broke up. So those things are, on a basic level, we can know them as keywords. But under Dialogflow, they are known as entities. So Dialogflow extracts those entities from a single user statement. And these entities could include price. So you could say, I want to buy a red wine for $5. It's going to extract the $5 from, those, from that text and respond back with its own response. The entity could also be a name. But most of the times, you provide those entities while you're training the agent. So there's a whole training process that goes on before deploying your agent for use. And that's where you define most of these things. So to keep going with this example, so it, you create an intent, it says, okay, the person wants to buy wine for $5 or whatever the case may be. Presumably then you'd yep. have a chance to wire that up to some sort of endpoint because like, like you might have like a service that returns, here are the wines that we have for $5. So 
is there like some way to wire it up to a backend for that sort of thing? Exactly. And that falls under fulfillment. So like I said, dialog flow is broken down into several entities. The same way within the object-oriented programming, we know them as objects. So that falls under the fulfillment entity. So the fulfillment allows you to call like a webhook. So you could have like a custom database of your own, whereby you have like a cloud function. So when that intent is being recognized, it calls your cloud function, which retrieves data from your database. So you say, I want a wine of $5. It sends $5 to the database and it retrieves a wine for that exact amount. So fulfillment allows you to give a more, a better dynamic response to an intent rather than just some hard-coded value. Interesting. So you're saying that you need to train the models before you can really kind of let the chat bot loose into the world. How long How long did it take you to kind of train them up to get them good enough that they could interact with customers? It took about two weeks, but this varies basically based on your use case because you could have like a much more larger application. It would definitely take you much longer time to train. But I'd like to clarify that unlike where you're building a traditional machine learning application, it takes few seconds to train a chatbot. So basically, it's at it's almost instant at the click of a button. It takes a few seconds when you click the train button and it all goes up. So what I'm trying to say is it doesn't take so much where you have, you probably have to sit and wait for the entire application to get trained. Then you have to come back. It doesn't take that process with dialogue flow. It all leverages the cloud. So then I'm curious then, how? what's the step that gets you this into a React application? So presumably there's, you in your own app have to capture inputs, text, or maybe even like audio, voice audio. I'm not sure. So I'm curious about that. But then also yeah. like, does Dialogflow give you like some API, some like JavaScript thing you have to like NPM install that to send requests to? Yeah, so there are two major means to use Dialogflow. There's a REST API, which you could make yourself for, there's a REST API with an endpoint for Dialogflow, but you have to authenticate with the API. There's also an NPM package we can, which you can install, but there was like a drawback to the NPM package, which is it uses gRPC within, which gRPC is not yet fully compliant with the browser. So I had to build a backend for the entire, for the Dialogflow application. So you can only, you can use gRPC within the Node environment, but if you want to use it within the browser, you'd have to play around with Webpack, which I wasn't willing to do. So I had to use it from an express application. So building on on TJ's question from before about how to check if this is actually doing the right thing for the customers, I mean, there's obviously sales data in this case, but how would you imagine testing this from like a unit test perspective or just a, can, is there a way where, oh, I've uploaded, uh, I've uploaded a new agent. Let me just run a set of tests where it's like, let me just make sure that it's recommending the right wines to me again. How would you manage that? I didn't actually make much research on that because I don't really think there's a way you could unit test this because it's it's more, like I said, there's a lot of abstraction from the underlying um, implementation. Dialogflow, what it gives you is basically the console. But gotcha. one of the things which you could write tests for are your integrations, basically. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, if you're doing like a full integration test, I, I suppose you could use their endpoints that say, if I send in this, then I expect this to come back, which I think would work. Yeah, but th- that would mean you'd be running live API tests. But one thing to note is the API requires some form of authentication with a Google account. Oh, for for users or well, for, for like one like 
your like business or your personal account for running it. Yeah, you, you would still need to use an authentication method. Yeah, I mean that could be that could be doable. Are you ready for core web vitals? Fortunately, Raygun can help. These modern performance metrics play an important role in determining the health of your website, which is why Raygun has baked them directly into their real user monitoring tools. Now you can see your core web vital scores are trending across your entire website in real time and drill into individual pages to focus your efforts on the biggest performance gains. Unlike traditional tools, Raygun surfaces real user data, not synthetic, giving you greater insights and control. Filter your score by time frame, browser, device, geolocation, whatever matters to you most. And what makes Raygun truly unique is the level of detail they provide so you can take action. Quickly identify and resolve front-end performance issues with full waterfall breakdowns, user session data, instance-level diagnostics of every page request, and a whole lot more. Visit Raygun.com today and take control of your core web vitals. Plans start from as little as $8 per month. That's Raygun.com for your free 14-day trial. So one thing that I was curious about, and this is this is kind of a good segue into it, is how is the pricing for something like this, using this service, I guess? Yeah, so the pricing for Dialogflow is quite low. And you can also use the pricing calculator on the Google Cloud. But I think for the uh, for the ES version, which is majorly for small startups and small use cases, there's a high amount of calls. So each call you make is kind of metered. So there's an allocation of calls which you are given for free to use. I'm trying to pop up the pricing calculator. The pricing calculator is basically used for all services on the Google Cloud. So you could just check up the price, how long it's going to take you to run Dialogflow for probably a month. Mm-hmm. But that's good to know. So if you were like kind of like you or like one of us getting started with it and you just wanted to try it out, see how it works, tinker with it, there is either practically no cost or a free amount that you can use just to, to get started and, and figure out if it's right for you. Exactly. There's a very high free amount. Basically, when you create a new project on Google Cloud, you get awarded with $300 to use for free. You could use that and you could also use the free course which is given to you. I'm trying to pop up that data exactly. Excellent. Maybe we can link to that in the show notes because that's always something that I'm curious about. Don't understand the pricing calculators a lot of times because it's fractions of a cent. <laughs> so it's always helpful. <laughs> Yeah, but I within the it, time where I played around with dialogue flow, I didn't get to pay for it. <laughs> They're usually pretty good about that sort of thing. This is a fantastic idea, by the way, for like a hackathon. If you work at an e-commerce company, I know uh, Paige, you know, for example, like at Home Depot, this would be an awesome thing. Just, you know, it's hook this thing up to your product inventory. And the next thing you know, you're like, hey, I need a hammer. And it's like, yep. OK, great. And you're like, yep. OK, thanks. I'll take the uh, I'll take the drone or whatever which is the hackathon project win <laughs> Absolutely. yeah exactly yeah. Uh, <laughs> go ahead i think i got the link so i'm just gonna paste it in the message now yeah yeah this kind of thing i'm sure home depot is doing stuff like this i i can't remember there must be a chat bot somewhere either on the website or maybe in the the mobile app but yeah this would be very, very helpful, I'm sure, for customers, as well as having to have less people trying to staff that kind of thing at all times. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, exactly. if you think about like like Discord bots or Slack bots, I mean, the, the possibilities are endless for this sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. In high demand for services that do not have a lot of manpower to handle customer care, so they could build a chatbot and they could use it for their customer care fronts. And one good thing to also note is 
we have Dialogflow templates. So if you as a, let me say, page doesn't know much about Dialogflow, there are pre-built templates which you could make use of. You could just import it into your Dialogflow project and make use of it like that without having to go deep into building yours. That's excellent. I can see that being really useful for when you want to, I guess, give your maybe your customer use or your customer agents, you know, they can just tell you like, these are the scripts that we typically use for helping our users and somebody who's maybe not the technical developer or the the lead on the team can just pop those in and, and get up and running with Dialogflow, which is awesome. Yeah, because I think yeah, like... Uh, exactly... Oh, because it's gonna say because I think like yeah, it, I want to say it. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead, <laughs> we keep bumping it. <laughs> I just want to say it's actually a zip file. So after you build your dialogue flow application, you could choose to zip it and export it, and someone else could use that code and rebuild their own dialogue flow project. Yeah, because I I think like it's a tall ask for an individual like restaurant or small business to to do this sort of thing because they just don't have like a, a development team that's going to build and maintain this sort of thing. But I could totally see if there was some sort of like reusable template where you can just plug in small things. Like if, if it's a scheduling thing, like put in your hours or something like that to sort of make this sort of thing possible. Yep. Seems to me too that like the easiest way to input this is if they're if you you have some sort of flow where there's like clear input output, because I think like if if people are going to be asking vague questions, I, I'm also curious what like air handling is like in dialogue flow, because I'm I can almost guarantee you someone's going to use the like wine service and say something like where's the bathrooms or <laughs> some, some other like nonsensical thing. So I'm, presumably you have some way of telling people if the thing doesn't recognize like the, the user's intent at all. Yeah, there's, there's some form of handling. So which each intent you create, you have the opportunity to add fallback, um, fallback statements. So each intent gets a response. And whenever the, the intent, the statement to be used with the intent is not matched, you could fall back to a sentence. You could have just one or two sentences which you mark as fallback sentences. So whenever your intent is not matched, I could tell you, hey, Paige, I do not understand what you're saying. Can you say this? So through your fallback statements, you could even teach the user the right sentence to make so they know that yeah, this is what we could say that you would recognize. So follow up too, do you get like analytics or data on what people are saying? So like, because I could totally see it being useful if you're mailing a wine service and like you're getting a bunch of requests for some other type of drink or maybe like people are saying, keep saying the same slightly wrong thing that's causing the bot to screw up. So you could then like train it better. Do you get access to like that sort of data? Yeah, so you get this a dedicated analytics page, which shows you the various requests and all statistics for the entire Dialogflow application. So when you go into the analytics page, you could see that these are the intents being matched. These are the ones that are not really being matched. So using the numbers, you could, prioritize them or you could know that these ones are not getting matched so probably it's a have a having a hard time matching this intent and you could probably redesign it cool well it's funny how we come back around to when we want to develop the service it's like oh yeah we need all that data but then when amazon or google with their home devices goes and collects diagnostic data from their you know speakers <laughs> we're all like that's terrible that's no there's no privacy ah you know and it's yeah. and but when we need it we're like hey we need the analytics we need to know if it's working or not you know it's like <laughs> yeah 
I'm just throwing that out there. There's no right point, but like, it's well, just funny. I, I could see it though. Cause I, I think it depends on what you're building. Like for a wine app, it seems pretty innocuous and whatever, sure. but if you're building like a medical application chatbot or a financial one, then I think all of a sudden you're really going to care about what exactly is getting stored and how this data is getting used. And your users are going to care about that too. For sure. Exactly. That's quite true, considering that you could have your dialogue flow application become very big. So each dialogue flow application can contain multiple intents. It could go as much as over 100 intents. So it'd be very, very useful. The analytics page is very useful in such scenarios to know what is being used, when it's being used, and how it's being used. So with that, you could know these are the intents that are being used by users. And these are the ones not being used because in most cases, you might not really have like a brand page to teach users how to make use of your application. So through those fallback sentences, you have the opportunity to teach the user. And whenever it's not being matched, you could use analytics to know that these ones are quite difficult for users to know how to use. And you could redesign everything. Yeah. Do you know when Dialogflow is taking in user queries, is it actually putting those back into its own models to get better at at hopefully answering those questions? Or is it just like it goes to your application, it tries to figure out what you're what you're looking for, and then that's where it ends? Do you know? I would assume yes, because I would assume that over time it gets better and better as people use the application. But everything relies basically on your own provider training. So the more training models you provide, the more training you do, the more intents you have to cover edge cases, the better it gets. Makes sense. So to kind of hard steer this back to React for a second. So again, with the MobX thing. So I'm sure we have a lot of listeners who are like, ah, Redux forever, you know, that kind of thing, because React Redux. (laughs) And so can you give me a little bit more about like why the, the choice of MobX in this case, what the advantages are in MobX on this case? that kind of thing. So it gives some sense of, of why you chose it. Personally, for me, I chose Mobex because of the learning curve. Like we all know everybody complains about Redux being quite hard to understand. And I was coming from a Java background. I was learning OOP at school. And when I picked up Mobex, I realized, hey, you could apply object-oriented programming here. So I moved for Mobex. It's funny how many com- people complain about Redux. Like, oh my God, there's so much boilerplate. Ah! And then, you know, like they they still use it. But, it, you know, Paige, to your point, yeah, Redux Toolkit is is a great way to, to reduce that amount of boilerplate for sure. Killed the conversation on that one. <laughs> no, well, we can uh, continue down the path of the the React angle for it. I'm, I am curious how you captured input. Like, do you have like a little, like, chat dialogue thing that people are working with or are you giving like microphone access in your app how are you sending data into dialogue flow uh, so starting from dialogue dialogue flow supports both text and audio so with the express application in between both of them the text first of all gets sent to the express application which in turn sends it to to dialogue flow so i was basically capturing both text and audio so using the audio i was using the browser API for recording users' audio. Then I would send that to the Express application and it also sends it to, to Dialogflow. So there was this Express application in between both of them. And for for the audio recording, I was basically using the browser API. I didn't really do anything much special about it. It's still kind of cool that you could send audio in because then 
presumably you're not doing speech recognition on your side and letting Google handle all of that as well, which is kind of slick. Exactly. It was, it was one of the, the beautiful points of, of the dialogue flow. You don't have to extract that text yourself. It automatically extracts the, the, the text for you and processes it, then gives you back a response based on your text. It's also, it's also important to note that you can also use Dialogflow in a, in a regular HTML application. So it gives you this sort of iframe, which you can inject into a raw HTML file. So if you do not have like an SPA application, you could just inject in an iframe. So it does like everything. Yeah. So wait, if it's an iframe, is it building in that situation? Is it building the UI for you as well? Yeah. So it renders the the dialogue flow agents within the iframe. Although it's not really very customizable because people get to see the dialogue flow layout. But if you want to do more customization, you could then go ahead to build an SPA. But at a very basic level, you have the iframe, which you could just add the code to the HTML file. And when the request is made, it downloads the Dialogflow agents and shows it up. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, if you want just an off-the-shelf solution to do customer engagement, like, a you know, hey, click click on this help button and you'll get some help. You know, just drop an iframe in your code and away you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I can see that being extremely useful for, like you said, small businesses who are just trying to get a website up and running so they can do whatever it is that they actually want to focus on. <laughs> yeah. And what would be really good is like drag and drop Twilio integrations. So I could actually just like SMS this chatbot and be like, hey, I need more Pinot in my life. You know, and have a <laughs> case shows up. But um, there you go. <laughs> actually, that's a decent question. Hello. <laughs> Are there other integrations that you can do? Like, because I know some of these chatbots will let you go to like Facebook Messenger and maybe SMS. I don't know. Are there other deployment options that it gives you? Yeah, you have Facebook and Facebook WhatsApp and iFrame, then also using the API. So you could deploy directly to a Facebook Messenger and it gets shown up. Yeah, because I could see like Facebook Messenger is an interesting one because... I could see like it being nice for a small business to just have something to just monitor their the random people that message their business and just try to point them in the right direction. Yeah, those are, those are for small scale. You could the same way. I think on Messenger we have quite a lot of chatbots on Messenger, so you could just add yours to that. But one one of the deployment methods which I find very fascinating is the Google Assistant because I got to try out the Google Assistant console while deploying this and it's quite beautiful. We have a lot of Android devices out there in the market. So after building this, you could just deploy it straight up. And that gives you access to quite a very large customer base. Do you need to... So what would that look like from an installation end? Is it like a custom extension? Like what would the user need to do to... Like you're you're building the next great wine emporium, just a giant wine website. What do users have to do to get your wine extension into Google Assistant and then with a follow-up, once they do, like what words do they have to say to Google to actually trigger you? Because presumably Google needs some indicator that it's talking to your service and people aren't just saying, okay, give me directions of the store or whatever. So basically you start with using the chat assistant's name. So each and every chat assistant has a name for the one within the application. I think I called it Zara. So you could start by saying, hello, Zara then it gives you its own greeting response and you give it an intent and a response. 
So that's the guys in the chat. So then presumably Google or Android then takes care of detecting like whatever wake word or whatever command that triggers your chat service so that it knows to like funnel these requests to, to you. Yeah, it, it all starts with, with the name. You mentioned the name that kind of starts the conversation. Up. So on Dialogflow, you have the opportunity to create like a custom greeting, which is for you. Well, if I was going to pick a, a wake word, it'd be like, wine! More <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> wine! <laughs> it, it starts with the name. Yes, and the name it, would be wine! Exactly. You could, you could give it that name. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, yeah, I got to say, uh, kudos to you for picking a, an absolutely fantastic topic. I know you do a lot of technical writing, and I usually pick things like Pokemon and things like that. I will definitely have to think about picking wine in the future. It's a fantastic thing to talk about. Yeah. Funny, yeah. funny enough, I don't drink wine. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> but it's a great topic of conversation. <laughs> and it could be very applicable to actual businesses. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Small scale retail businesses. Yeah. Exactly. Totally. Well, Victory, it has been a pleasure talking to you. If people want to get in touch with you, learn more, ask you any questions about any of this or anything else, where can they find you? Uh, you could find me on Twitter, LinkedIn. You could send me an email, reach out to me. I'm basically everywhere. I'm gradually doing developer advocacy, though. So, yeah, I'm an advocate for a lot of technologies. So, you could reach out to me anywhere. <laughs> Excellent. Awesome. We will link to all of those in the show notes. And now it is time to move into our picks for the week. Hey, folks, it's Charles Maxwood. And I just wanted to jump on real quick and let you know that I am putting together a podcasting course. I get asked all the time. I've been coaching people for the last six months. How do you start a podcast? How do you put it together? What do I need in order to get it going, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I've put together the curriculum. And I did it through coaching a whole bunch of people. And now I want to share it with you. You can go check out the course. It's actually going to be a masterclass. It's going to be a four-week masterclass where I actually walk you through the entire process of launching a terrific-sounding podcast and putting together content that people want to listen to. And you can find it at podcastbootcamp.io. So, Jack, would you like to start us off with a pick? Sure. This week's pick for me is Resident Evil 8 Village. I'm playing this with my teenage daughter, and it is hilarious when, you know, I think we ran into this big mutant baby thing, of course, classic Resident Evil, and she was, you know, with the germs all dark, and she's like, ah, so it was priceless, absolutely priceless, so a great, fun thing, obviously not appropriate for everyone, but, you know, for the right, right age range, it is hilariously fun. <laughs> exactly. For the right, the right audience, it's great. <laughs> yes. TJ, would you like to give us a pick? So I'm going to pick a bidet, which is a, a sort of a fun pick, but we are redoing our bathroom and we decided we went on a trip to Europe a few, a few years ago and our hotel room had a bidet, which for, I guess for our American visitors, it, bidets are not common in the U.S. at all, uh, but they're very common in Europe. And we had one in our hotel room. We liked it and we were redoing our bathroom. So we're like, why not? And I'm instantly loving the decision. So we have a bidet from Toto. They, it's a Japanese company. They make a lot of bidets that they're like add-ons to toilets too. So you don't have to get like a custom-made. They make them that bolt onto existing toilets. So I'll link to one. But 
um, that that we have, but really anything from them should be should be good. I've, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> nice. Yeah, my husband grew up with one because he grew up outside of the U.S. as well, and he got one recently for our toilet. Well, not recently, a couple of years ago now. Loves that thing. He is so so much a fan. <laughs> yeah. And Toto is like the best. They're like the top brand. Oh yeah, you'll pay you'll pay a little bit of extra money for it, but I I think it's worth it. <laughs> big fan, big, my, my my wife similar sort of thing. Just absolutely loves the bidet. <laughs> cool. So my pick for this week uh, will be in the same video game line as you, Jack. I have been playing Mario Kart recently, and yeah, for the yes! uh, Nintendo Switch. And it is so much fun. It's my husband and I will play it after work sometimes. And it's just, it's hours of enjoyment. So, yeah, yeah that if you blue have a shell Switch... and rainbow road, just <laughs> not fair. <laughs> I was winning. <laughs> that's a lot of what you hear. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's an awesome game. Yeah, it's it's great, especially when you have a couple players. Oh. But yeah, we played that when we visited his brother out in San Diego a few like a month and a half ago. We played it with him and his girlfriend, and then had to end up in getting our own. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait until Mario Party comes out for the Switch. I, I, that's going to be awesome. It's yeah, similar sort of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Victory, do you have a pick that you'd like to recommend to us this week? Uh, my pick is not something fun. So I noticed everyone's pick is quite <laughs> it's quite fun. But my, mine is a service on AWS and it's called Code Deploy. And so what Code Deploy does it it automates your deployment. And I, I think this is a lifesaver and a pain saver for me. So I do not have what does it? It automatically deploys changes to your application running within computes um services on AWS. So rather than going to manually redeploy a lot of compute services, you could set up code deploy and on each change it will redeploy it for you. And that's something that's thank you. Yeah. TG has helped me with it. TJ, do you have experience working with code deploy? No, I'm just really good at Googling things and putting them in the chat so they end up in the show notes fast. <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful. I'd recommend code deploy to everyone. It's it's a lifesaver. And I'd also say, hey, we're we're engineers. Don't judge us. We might find AWS services fun. I mean <laughs> oh yeah, a, a good CI/CD flow, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. love it. Especially when it saves you the time of manual oh, yeah. deployments. Yeah, exactly. Yes, absolutely. It can well, be a awesome. big cost, though. I will say, like those costs can creep up on you. You know, if you end up like putting, doing a lot of bills where it's like the the CI/CD flow is lint checking for you. Don't don't do that. Lint check before you push, <laughs> and CI/CD things you. That ends up as technical debt. It's not my money. <laughs> <laughs> right. As long as the company is paying for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they're making money from it. <laughs> That's true. That's true. In comparison to your, your per hour cost, it's, it is nothing. I just feel bad. <laughs> I do a little bit. <laughs> well, awesome. Those sound like fantastic picks. And Victory, thank you again so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you, Paige. It was wonderful having and you. I think I, I look forward to doing this another time with my video on. Absolutely. Yeah. Next time, <laughs> yes. video for sure. <laughs> and a All better right. internet. Thank you. <laughs> right. All right. We will see everybody on the next episode of React Roundup. Bye, everybody. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit 
C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.